Amen. You can be seated this morning for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we, can we do... If you're here this morning, if you're here this morning, you need healing in your body. You need healing. I want you just to stand. If it's physical healing, emotional healing, what if you just need healing, any kind of healing, just stand to your feet. Any kind of healing, whatever it is, you need healing. I'm just going to take a moment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you're online and you need healing, just drop it in the comments. I want you to just take a look at who's around you, nearby you. And I want I want some folks to go to each person. So so if we can have, I'd like to have somebody with at least one person with each each person that's standing. You can just go, that'd be great. Just wait. Don't pray yet. Just wait. Don't start praying. Just stand by them. Just get to them. Go to them. Let's make sure everyone's covered. I'm going I'm to use this as a teaching moment. Use this as a teaching moment. Everybody, let's see, right up here. Can I, I, need, a, I need someone to come up here. Thelma, right here with Don. That'd be great. I want you, we're going we're to do this very specifically. Jesus is going to heal this morning. I said Jesus is going to heal this morning. Amen. So you're not the healer, Jesus is. But he gives us authority to activate, to walk in, right? So I, I want you just to take a moment. We're not going to pray yet, but I, if, if you're standing for healing, I want you to if you're comfortable, and I'm gonna, maybe you might not be comfortable, so I'm gonna ask you to take a bold step. And I want you to share with the person who's standing with you what you need healing for. Just, just one word. You don't have to give them a long story. They don't need, they don't need the diagnosis or the doctor's report or a biography. They just need a quick. This is what I need healing for. So just share that with the person standing. There. Go ahead, share, share with them just word or two, just what they need, what God, what they're expecting God to do in this moment. What do you what do you need? Jesus is, Jesus said to all of the people that he healed, what do you need? What do you need? It was specific. What do you need? What do you need? Do you want to be made well? That's what we're asking this morning. What do you need? Do you want to be made well? If this is a physical thing, I want you to take note of your physical body before we minister. I want you to take note right now of your physical body. Right now, someone's being healed online. You're, you dropped in the comments. Right now, someone's being healed online. Thank you, Lord. I want you to take note of your physical body right now. Take note of your physical body. Uh, if, if this is a physical thing, if there's something pain, or just take note before we pray, before we minister. Okay, those that are there to minister, I want you to look at me. If you're there, I want you to, I know this is, it's a, some of you are already being overcome and we haven't even done anything yet. That's, that's because Jesus is the healer, right? That's just, he's here. Jesus, Jesus responds. Jesus responds to faith. That's, that's how this works. It's real easy. We complicate it. Now I want, if you're there to minister, I want you to take authority over that. I don't want you to pray. I want you to take authority. Jesus already answered. I want you to take authority. Lay hands on them and take authority. Jesus laid hands and he took authority. Lay hands, take authority. I take authority over this pain. I take authority over this, whatever it is, and command it to go in Jesus' name. Right now, command it to go in Jesus' name. Pain, leave right now in Jesus' name. Sickness, every disease has to bow right now at the name of Jesus. Clarity of mind, hearts be healed, blood disease be healed, mobility return, mobility return right now in the name of Jesus. Sickness, disease, viruses, bow at the name of Jesus right now. Leave that body, leave, leave, leave in Jesus' name. Mental and emotional stress, Lift off that person right now in the name of Jesus. I break the bondage of that emotional stress off your life and the lie that you've been believing. I break that in Jesus' name. Freedom right now is released into your life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Jesus. Now check it out. Those of you that were receiving prayer, if it was something physical that you can tangibly check out, check it out. You can tangibly test it, test it out. Check it out. I'm, I'm looking for my tangible folks. Who, was, who needed a tangible heal? Healed? Yep, waving at me, healed. What would you get healed for? Just yell it out. Headache's gone, okay? Who else? Yell it out. What? Knee pain, gone. What else? Yell it out, what's happening? I don't know if everybody was physical. Knee pain, gone. What else? Knees are getting healed today. Today's a good day for knees. What's back there? Yeah, thank you, Lord. <laughs> be, be whole. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just know she got touched. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> what else? What else? Yell it out. What's happening? What's going on over here? Jesus. Yeah, you right here. Yeah, you. What's going on? You get... Joy, hey, lift your hands and have some more. Jesus, there's an abundant supply from heaven. Filled with the glory of heaven. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? Damaged emotions online. Woohoo. Jesus, if you're online, I, I know you. nobody's standing there with you, but we are. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> Somebody right now online, you're, you've been having mobility issues in your lower back. Something with your lower back. The Lord's touching your back. Just check it out. Check it out. You're moving right now. You're moving right now. Check it out. Our, our moderators will help me know that when that happens. Jesus, Jesus, isn't God good? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you're able to be seated, grab your Bibles and go to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. Let me see your Bibles this morning. If you have your Bibles, let me see them. Amen, amen. Your devices, whatever you're using. I love seeing the word of the Lord. I love it better when you use it, but I love it when you have it in church, right? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I just want to wanna recognize, you know, a lot of times people think that, well, the pastor's got to pray for me in order to be healed. Or the pastor's no, I didn't pray for any, any. I didn't lay hands on anybody this morning. It has nothing to do with me. The same anointing that raised Christ from the dead. Come on, somebody. The same anointing that raised Christ from the dead. The Bible says lives in you. Lives in you. Lives in you. You can lay hands. Jesus called you to lay hands on people. Amen. Tony, can you bring me up just a touch? Jesus laid hand, Jesus said, you have authority. Well, I'm glad all three of you agree. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so just see. Just watch what happens. I, I, I am fully expectant this, week, this weekend. I want to, I want to, we're going to, we're going to lay hands on people. We're going to pray for them. But I am expecting that this weekend at Joy Fest, God is going to use you supernaturally um, to minister to someone. I, so I want you to come prepared um, to minister. I want you to come prepared, not just serving in, in a volunteer role, but coming prepared. And that's great if you do. But to come prepared, ready, just in your seat to see who's next to you and minister to those around you. Amen? Let God give you a word. I, I just, I'm expecting, you know, as a pastor, my job, our job, pastoral job, responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's why we were very specific this morning on how we ministered. I, it was an equipping time. It was a time to teach and equip. Very specific. My job is to equip you to do the work of the ministry. My, In other words, you could say, 
my job is to facilitate because there's nothing that I can't, there's nothing that I can give you that Jesus hasn't already given. I'll say that again. There's nothing that I can give you that Jesus hasn't already given you. His word, his direction, how to do, what to do. Jesus has already done it. So when I, what I do in these moments is taking what Jesus did, and I just give it to you very practically. That's when we, when we teach about offering, when we teach how to do altar ministry, how do we teach all the things, children, all the things that happen. We're just taking what happens in the Bible and giving it to you very practically. So this morning, what just happened was Jesus' ministry, very practical, step by step. But there, so there's nothing that I can give you that Jesus hasn't already done. So my job is basically, in, in that sense, to facilitate. My job is to facilitate what Jesus is saying, what the Holy Spirit's leading, facilitate it and give you space in, in a gathering for, for Jesus to show up in your life. Now, if that can happen here in church, I know this is, this is safe space, this is practice, you know, practice room. We get to practice, and if we're creating a safe space, what can happen out there? Come on, don't shout me down this morning. The joy of the Lord can show up out there. The healing power of Jesus can show up out there, right? So we're just, we're just going to see what happens. I, I'm, I'm expecting some incredible things this weekend. I hope that you are. In John chapter 11, we find the story of Lazarus. I'm sure that many of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus. Lazarus grew sick and he died. Verse 1 of, of John chapter 11 says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days. <laughs> I love how that reads. Jesus loved them, but he stayed where he was. <laughs> in the place where he was. I, I just want to draw out from that in a moment, just because Jesus seems far off, and he doesn't seem to be responding in the moment in the way that you want him to, doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. He loves you, and he's working a miracle for you. His, there, was, there was something greater that had to take place other than just keeping Lazarus from falling dead. There was something greater at play than just his death. And I, I just want to point out for a moment, some people often say, well, if God's so great, why did he just not keep Adam and Eve from sinning? Why, why do we have to go through all of this? Because it's the same thing here we see with Lazarus, that, that Jesus was able to keep Lazarus from, from dying. Jesus was able to cure him of his disease and keep him from being buried in a grave. But what glory is displayed when Jesus shows up Two days after he's already dead, dead in the grave for four days now, he shows up four days later and raises him up from the grave. What, what a testimony of the glory of God when he takes your life out of the pit of despair. What a testimony. Come on, somebody. What a testimony when he takes your life that's full of sin and depravity. The Bible says that there's nothing good in the heart of man. It's full of wickedness and everything's vile. What a testimony when God says, I'm going to show up in your life and break the bondage of addiction in your life. I'm going to break off the bondage of that sickness and disease that's lurking over your life. Death, where is your victory? Sin, where is your grace? Where is the sting of death? It's been conquered in Christ. So I've got good news to tell you this morning. When Jesus seems afar off, there's a purpose and a plan and he's working a miracle in your life. So don't get discouraged this morning. If Jesus seems a bit distant, he still loves you. He's just working a miracle. Yeah. 
He stayed two more days. I, I you know, it, it, when, when people say that those kinds of things, well, why couldn't God do this and why couldn't God do this? I, I, I have an answer. He could. And he chose not to. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. This isn't popular in church. People don't want to hear this. They want to be fluffed up and frilled and everything's going to be okay. Hey, sometimes God says you got to go through the grave. Sometimes you've got to see Lazarus, whom you loved, get buried. Sometimes you've got to get out on the middle of the ocean where things seem a little bit rocky and the wind starts beating against your boat. Sometimes you've got to get out in the middle of a place that looks like all hope is lost so that you can see what hope really is all about. It's not until you get out in the hurricane that you see where you're really anchored. Come on, you didn't hear me there. It's when you get out in the hurricane that you see where you're really anchored. Where is your hope? That's why COVID has tossed so many people. You look over this past year and people's worlds have been shaken over a, over a virus, over a thing that Jesus has victory over. Over something that, that is in, uh, that's a part of this fallen world and people are getting shaken over this thing. Why? You know where their hope is. You know where their hope lies. When, when the world starts shaking, are you steady and steadfast in the hope of the anchor of your soul? Yeah, so two days he, he stayed where he was. And then after that, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, now that, that, that was an odd statement. The disciples said to him, they recognized that it was an odd statement. Lately, the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going there? You want to go to the place where they're seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not with him. These things he said... And after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go to wake him up. Now, I want you to think about this for a second. I, I'm not preaching yet. I haven't got to my message. But I, I just, I, I, want, I want you to think about this. This is, why would Jesus answer when they said, they're, they're wanting to kill you? Jesus didn't seem to answer their question. He seems to bypass it altogether. But he's, he's speaking truth. He says, there's 12 hours in a day. You know, in other words, he's telling them, you know when the light's shining. You know when the sun's up and you know when the sun goes down. You know when, there's, you know when it's daytime, you know when it's nighttime. And he says, right now, the sun's shining. He's speaking right now about himself. He's speaking right now of the sun shining I'm not concerned about the people who want to stone me because right now the sun's shining. Right now we're in the day, but there's coming in a very short time frame. You're not going to see me anymore. You're not going to see the sun anymore. And just in just a few days was Passover. This was just a few days before Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. This was just a few days before Passover week, the Passion Week of Christ. And so he's telling them, hey, in other words, they don't have authority to kill me right now. I haven't laid down my life right now. This, this isn't the time. Right now is the time for us to go wake Lazarus up. Right now what's on the agenda is that we need to wake Lazarus. And so the disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. Verse 13, however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. And they missed it yet again. So Jesus said to them plainly, have you ever been in those moments where you just need Jesus, just tell me plainly. I know you're, I, I hear you, but I just need you to tell me real clear. And so Jesus says it real simple, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> but then he says something really powerful. He says, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, says, who is called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. 
<laughs> you gotta love that. <laughs> hey, they're trying to kill you. They're, they're, there's arrest warrants out for you. Why don't we just all go and plan to die too? Good, good idea, Jesus. Let's go back to Judea where they want to kill you. Let's all sign up for death with Lazarus. Let's just end this and get it over with. Woe is me. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. So I want you to get the picture of what's happening. Lazarus is in the grave. He's four days in the tomb. The tomb has been has a stone rolled in front of it. There, he's dead. He's decaying. His body's in the grave. Mary and Martha are are having their their funeral. They're four days. They've been grieving. The mourners, the grievers, are there with them. They have the you know, the, the meal and the flowers and all the things, all the mourning is happening. If you've ever been through a, a funeral, the loss of, of someone that you love, you know that that process, you know, can take a time, a time of grieving, a time of sorrow. And they're, they're going through this grief and this sorrow and uh, all that's happening and the people around them are sorrowful with them. Lazarus has died. Their friend had died. And so... We pick up in verse, let's pick up in verse 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, notice it says many. This wasn't a small crowd. There was a lot of mourning going on. And Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. She went out of the city. She went out of Bethany to meet Jesus But Mary was sitting in the house. Mary stayed with the mourners. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, another way to interpret that word Lord is master in the Greek. Master or Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. True statement, right? She's grieving. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Now, hold on to that. That's that's interesting because of what's said next. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Pretty simple. Jesus is speaking very plainly there. And she had just said, whatever you ask God, I know he'll do. And then she says, I know that he's going to rise again at the resurrection at the last day. I know that he'll rise again at, that, at the last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher or the master has come and he's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she's, must, she's going to the tomb to weep. And so the mourners were going to go with her to weep. And Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, and he groaned. He was moved. That word groaned. He was moved with compassion in his spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. So they brought him to the tomb. And Jesus wept. Then Jesus said, see, uh, then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Notice the inflection there. They're all, why, if, if he loved him, why couldn't he have kept him from dying? And Jesus, again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. <laughs> that's not the that's not the answer you want when when Lazarus is dead. You don't want no, let's not do this. Let's Jesus, let's not embarrass. I mean, first off, you're a Jew, you shouldn't be gathering at the tomb. 
This was unclean. This was not something they were allowed in the law to do. They shouldn't be at the, in the place of death, first off. Secondly, he's dead. Jesus, don't embarrass the family. Jesus, this isn't comfortable. Don't, we don't want to remove. You know, in modern, in modern funerals, we have embalming. They didn't have all of that. Things, things processed quickly, shall we say, in, in the heat of the Middle East. This was not something that you'd want to do in the middle of the heat and, and embarrass the family, embarrass Lazarus's sisters, Jesus. And Martha spoke up, the sister of him was dead. Lord, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. In other words, Mary knew he dead. He stinketh. <laughs> we, we don't want to do this, Jesus. He's, he's dead and he stinks. Anything stinking in your life today? <laughs> mm-hmm. Things that are dead hanging out in the... Mm-hmm. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God. And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this. Isn't it good? Jesus recognized, I don't need to have a conversation about this. We're good, and I know we're good, and I know what's going to take place. We, Father, we're good. We don't need to have a conversation. But for the sake of everyone who's watching, we're having a conversation about this. So they know this isn't me. This is about you. Isn't that good? Sometimes, sometimes we need to take into account the people who are around us. We, we know what God's saying, and we know what he's speaking, but sometimes there's people that need to come on the journey with us that we need to be able to say, hey, you know, this is what God's really saying. This is what God's speaking. This is what he's, and we can't forget about the people who are running with us. They need to hear. Faith needs to be stirred in their heart as well. And sometimes just by acting, it doesn't give them an opportunity to have faith stirred in their heart. You just act. Did you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes, yeah, God's going to raise things from the dead. Yes, God's going to work miracles. God's going to do something supernatural through your life. But sometimes we need to press pause for those who are standing nearby so they can hear your prayer. And it's not for the sake of being boastful. It's not for the sake of, of putting on a show or display. But they need to hear the word of the Lord themselves. They need to have a, have a chance to hear what God's doing in the moment. And so when he had said these things, so they had a, they had a second to catch up with what was happening. And, he, and when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus. I mean, he cried. I, I'm not going to do it because I want to spare your ears and I have a microphone. But Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died. I want you to hear that. He who had died. He was dead. He smelled. He who had died came out. Uh, y'all, you didn't hear that. You did, you're not reading your Bible with me this morning. I, I'll, I'll go back so you can hear. He who had died came out. I don't know what grave you're standing at this morning, but he who had died came out. End of sermon. He who died, Jesus, is standing at the door of your life today. He's standing at the door of your family. He's standing at the door of your marriage. He's standing at the door of your depravity and saying, Lazarus, come out. That thing, that vision, that hope, that dream, whatever it is that seems dead and gone, come out. It's time for you to live. It's time for the Great Lakes to live. It's time for Akron to live. It's time for this city. It's time for this nation to live. United States of America, come out of the grave. Take off those grave clothes. Come out. Come out, Akron, out of your grave. It's time for you to live again. It's time for your sons and daughters to live. 
Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's time for that drug addiction to be broken. It's time for the promiscuity to be broken. It's time for the worldliness to be broken. It's time for Jesus. He stepped into the place of death and he's saying, come out, it's time to live. If you're here this morning, if you're watching online and you're living in carnality, you're living in worldliness, you're living in sin, you're living in relationships you ought not be in, you're living in sexual Im immorality, you're living in addiction, you're drinking, you're smoking, you're addicted. Whatever it is, Jesus is standing at the, at the grave of your life. You're bound up in grave clothes. And Jesus is standing at your tomb saying, Lazarus, come forth. It's time to come out of your grave. It's time to lay aside the addictions. It's time to lay aside the sin. Jesus is bringing new life. Jesus is bringing new life. Hallelujah. He who was dead came forth. He was bound up with grave clothes and his face was wrapped up in, with a cloth. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Now, I, I could stop and say a lot about that, 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 that when, when Jesus starts calling dead things out of people's lives, life starts happening, discipleship has to happen. <laughs> Everybody, when they come out of the grave, doesn't come out looking so pretty. When people get born again, not, all, not always do they look so neat and clean. They don't, they don't know your, your, your spirituality and what it means to look like Christ. They just came out of a grave. And I, I want to say, if you came out of the grave 15, 20 years ago, you ought to start looking like Jesus. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't be carrying around the grave clothes of what used to be. Paul said, don't take up the yoke of slavery again. Don't pick up that bondage again. Be transformed. Be renewed in your mind. Be renewed in your behaviors. Be transformed. Be changed. But my goodness, if someone's just come out of the grave, loose them. Don't beat them. Loose them. Don't hit them over the head and say, hey, stupid, why do you have all that on your life? Loose them. Take the grave clothes off. Help them see what Jesus helped. They, they can't even see Jesus. The, Lazarus came out of the tomb. The Bible says that there was a face covering. He didn't even see Jesus. He was walking out. <laughs> Couldn't even see. Sometimes the, you got things over people's eyes. They don't know. They can't. They got to see. They just been, they've just been liberated. Amen. I, ha I'm not st I haven't started preaching yet. I'm still reading the passage of Scripture here. And then many of the Jews had come to Mary, and they saw these things that Jesus did, and they believed in him. But some, there's always some. Notice the some didn't stop Jesus, though. Notice that the sum didn't stop what he was doing. Notice the sum didn't stop the miracles. The sum didn't, the sum are always going to be there. You just got to let them do what they're going to do. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus did. Remember, there's arrest warrants out for Jesus. The religious leaders had, had issued warrants for Jesus' arrest and said, if you see him, if you know where he is, you tell us. And the, the council, the Pharisees and the council said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. Notice, notice, I, I just, I got to point this out. Signs and wonders glorify the Father. We ought to be a church of signs and wonders. We, we're not, we don't pursue signs and wonders Signs and wonders happen in the presence of the Lord. But sign, we ought to be a church of signs and wonders because we're full of the presence of the Lord. And they glorify the Father, right? Amen. We don't, we don't hide it. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed that we speak in tongues. I'm not ashamed that we have people healed and delivered. I'm not ashamed that demons leave people here. I'm not ashamed, I'm not ashamed of any of it because it's the ministry of Jesus. 
It's not, it's, I don't know anything else but, but what the Bible tells me. And the Bible tells me that that's the ministry of Jesus. So we make room for that here. And, I, and I don't, I do, I'm not ashamed of that. So if, but if you're some of the some that want to run to the religious crowd and say, look, what, look what's going on in celebration, that's fine. We ain't stopping. Amen. I'm not going to stop because there's some. <laughs> and they believed. There's people who are going to believe on Jesus as a result of the signs and wonders. By, by, by the way, the Bible says that tongues are a sign to the unbeliever. I'll just, I'll just throw that out there. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to keep going. I, I don't want to make you too mad. I know I'm, I'm dancing on your toes. I don't wanna... Verse 47, then the chief priests and the Pharisees, they said, what shall we do? This man works many signs. If we let him alone, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They were more concerned about their, their position and their politics. I have people say to me during the election, it's like, why don't, why don't you preach about the election? Why weren't you telling people who to vote for? Why don't, because I'm not concerned about place and politics. I'm, I'm not of this world. I can, give you, I can give you Bible and tell you how you should pray, and, and you need to base all of that on Scripture, but... But I'm not of this world. I'm going to vote. I'm going to do my due diligence. But, but I'm not of this world. So I don't need to preach place and politics. I have a king that I, I serve. And his name is Jesus. I don't get wrapped. I don't have time to get wrapped up in all that. And there's people who are dying and going to hell. I don't have time for all that. And one of them, Caiaphas, being a high priest that, that year, said to them, by the way, Caiaphas is the one who organized Jesus' death and, the and, and people lying against Jesus, said to them, you know, you know nothing at all, nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied, high priest Caiaphas, the man who was responsible for organizing all that happened with Jesus, said, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. God used a, a religious, carnal, heathen to speak about what was coming. Anyway, we'll keep going. And so, so can I just say, I, I, I want to give you a bit of wisdom there, pastoral counsel. I, I'm sorry, I haven't even got to my notes yet this morning. But I, I want to give you a bit of pastoral wisdom there. Don't go chasing after men, after prophets, pastors, the, the man behind the pulpit. People say, well, the people, well, you know, that pastor hurt me or that evangelist this or that. Hey, they're men. Stop chasing after who's behind the pulpit. God used a donkey. He used Caiaphas. He used Saul who was, come on, you got to get your eyes off of the man and onto Jesus. Jesus is going to use, he'll use sinful, worldly people to get his message across. That's why you got to be in the Word. And if you're going to follow, let me say this, if you're going to follow a pastor or a leader, I say this about ourselves, if you're going to be a planted, rooted in a church, you are, you're here. But and if you're going to follow a leader, you're going to look to a ministry or missionary evangelist to be a support to, you need to not just look at what they say, you need to look at who they are. Come on now, you don't need to just look at what they say, you need to look at who they are. Because if who they are doesn't match what they say, come on now. And we, we want to we support ministries, I, I believe in supporting ministries and minister, I believe in all that. But you need to look at who they are, not just the, the numbers and the photos and the things that they flash in front. Anyway, I'll keep going. Then verse 53, then from that day on, they plotted to put Jesus to death. There are, there are three calls that are issued here in John chapter 11. 
First was the call to Christ. It was a call to Christ for remedy. Christ, Jesus, our brother is sick. He's dying. We need you to come fix the problem. We need help. The Bible says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. I cried out to him and he heard my prayer. The sisters sent word to Jesus. Jesus, we need help. The second call was the call to Mary. Martha said, the teacher's come, the master's come, and he's calling for you. He's looking for you. Mary, will you come away from the crowd? Will you get away from the mourners and come for relationship, the call to Mary for relationship. And she went out and she met Jesus outside the city. Sometimes Jesus will call you away. He calls you outside the city. He calls you outside of the chaos to be with him. And the third call that happened was the call to Lazarus for resurrection. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. In him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. He's calling out to you today. Can you hear his voice? You can call out to Christ today in the middle of your trouble, in the middle of your torment, in the middle of your despair. You can call out to Christ and in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your despair, in the middle of death, Christ is calling out to you. Why did this event happen? Why did it go down this way? John chapter 11 tells us the purpose for this event. In verse 4, it says that Jesus said to them that this has happened, that God might be glorified. This is happening. This circumstance in your life, the problem that you're facing, the testing that you're going through, Jesus is saying this is happening, that God might get the glory and you might get the joy. You get the happiness. You might be happified and God is going to be glorified. Verse 15, it goes on that I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you might believe. Jesus told his disciples why this event happened. It's because that you might believe. In other words, that you might put your trust in God. This event is happening and the delay has happened so that you can put your trust in God. Jesus said, I'm glad I wasn't there. You read that at face value, it sounds like Jesus is delighting in death. Jesus, you're delighting in Lazarus' death, but you got to listen a little, little deeper. you got to dive in a, a little closer. What is Jesus really saying? Is it, does he find joy in your trouble, in your pain? No, but he sees beyond. Just as, as Jesus, who is on the cross in Hebrews, it says, for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. Was, was it a delight to go through crucifixion? Absolutely not. It was the most horrific death. It was the most horrific means of death anyone could face. But for the joy that was set before him, he saw something in the suffering that we couldn't see. He saw something in the pain that we couldn't see. And in the middle of your pain, in the middle of your suffering, oftentimes there are things that Jesus sees that you and I cannot see. Our natural eyes won't allow us. Our, our brain won't allow us. But Jesus sees them. And he says, I'm glad. I'm happy about this. I'm happy about the the problem that you're facing because it's not about the problem. It's about what you're going to see in it. You missed an opportunity to shout there because Jesus wants to show you in the middle of your torment, in the middle of your trouble, something about himself that you can't see any other way. It's in the storm that you see him calm the storm. It's in death that you see him as the life giver. It's in in the middle of the problem that you see Jesus in a new way. And that's what he said in in the Passion Translation. It actually says, because you have another opportunity to see me as I am. You have another opportunity to see who I am. You have another opportunity. I'm glad that we weren't there because you have an opportunity to really see me. Verse 25, we know that this happens because Jesus is revealing himself as the resurrection and the life. Just a few chapters later in John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 10, the preceding chapter in verse 10, he says, I, am, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. 
Jesus is the life giver. Starting in verse 40, we see the life cycle of faith. So this, this story demonstrates for us the, the life cycle of faith, of faith. In verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, everybody say that, believe. If you would put your trust in God, when you believe, faith illuminates, we put our trust in God, we, we place our trust, we have a conviction, we have an assurity, and we place our trust in Him. And then He says, if you believe, you will, what's it say? You will see. If you believe, you will see. Oh, I, I see in the natural a man in a tomb. In the natural, I see, I see a man who was sick, who died, and Jesus didn't show up. But in the, in the supernatural, in the world of faith, I see an opportunity for resurrection life. In the world of faith, I see a dead man getting out of his tomb. What do you see in your life today? If you look with natural eyes, you might see a problem. If you look over the city, if you look over those around you, you see the things in the natural. But when you see through the eyes of faith, You see unseen realities. You see the possibilities. Verse 41, Jesus said, take away the stone, and they took away the stone. Faith always results in action. Two things, faith will always produce spiritual fruit, and faith will always produce good works. Faith will always produce spiritual fruit. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. The work of faith produces fruit of its kind. You can't say you're living a life of faith and have carnal fruit. If you're living a life of faith, you have God fruit. If you have a life of faith that produces good works, God works. You were created in Christ Jesus for good works. We don't have faith because of our works, but faith produces works. We don't have spiritual faith, or or, excuse me, we don't have spiritual fruit that produces faith, faith produces spiritual fruit. And the work of faith always causes us to speak life. Jesus was moved in his spirit. He was groaning. The Bible uses the word groaning. He was moved with compassion in his inner man. He was he was saddened at his friend's death. The Bible says that he cried. He, he was weeping at the tomb. But notice what Jesus did not do. He did not start complaining. Jesus didn't go to the tomb and say, Father, I can't believe all of these horrible Jews who are mourning. Can't they just have a little bit of faith? I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there. I've had people around me who just want to complain. And I thought, why can't they stop complaining? And I find myself getting in the same boat they are, the boat of complaining. You ever been there? Yeah. But that's not what Jesus did. He started speaking words of life. He went into the, he went into the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come forth. He said, Father, I, I, I'm saying these things that you will be glorified. Father, you be exalted. You be glorified. Lazarus, come out. And then verse 44, Lazarus came forth. The life cycle of faith. You believe, you see, you act, you speak, and then you see the manifestation. Lazarus came out of the tomb. It didn't look how they wanted it to look, but it it happened. It made them uncomfortable and it took them outside of their comfort zone. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. We see God's divine timing throughout this passage. Verse 5 says, Jesus stayed for two more days. He received word that Lazarus was sick, and instead of responding, he stayed for two days. He was limited in his natural body. I want you to think about this. Jesus was in another location. He was, he was fully God, but he was in an earthly man body. He, he couldn't go as a man to where Lazarus was. He could. He chose not to, but he couldn't just... He he had to walk, right? You and I have to walk where we're going, unless you're translated. But you have to walk where you're going. Jesus chose to stay for two days. He could have gone. He could have gone and kept Lazarus from dying from his sickness. But he chose 
in his natural body to stay where he was. Why? Because he saw through the eyes of faith what God the Father was doing. He saw through the eyes of faith what the Father was doing, and he aligned his natural actions so that the Father would be glorified. Sometimes we see things in the natural, and we respond with behaviors that are natural, carnal, man-focused. But if we can look through the eyes of faith, we can see what God's doing in that moment, in that situation. In the eyes of the natural, we would have seen Lazarus sick and ill, and our compassion would say, let's go. Let's help. Let's help Mary and Martha. Let's help take care of Lazarus. Let's help him get better. Let's cook the meals. Let's provide dinner. Let's, you know, let's clean the house. Whatever we need to do, you tell us we'll be there, right? Our natural compassion. How do we help? How can we help you, Mary and Martha? They were best buds, but Jesus didn't respond that way. He stayed put. He had eyes of faith to see what the Father was doing, and he aligned his actions with that. Sometimes we've got to look past what we see in the natural and see with our eyes of faith. We have to look past what we see happening and transpiring around us. See with the eyes of faith and tell ourselves we're going to stay put. I'm not going to respond prematurely. My natural, my natural response is to get up and do and respond and help and serve and take care. My, my natural response is to be there, to be present. To Come on now. How many of you are fixers in the room? And you see something in trouble, someone in trouble. I'll help. I'll do it. I'll Whatever you need. And Jesus was the ultimate fixer. He created. <laughs> and he chose to stay put. Sometimes we don't need to fix things. We just need to stay put. This is preaching to somebody. You're trying to fix your son or daughter. You just need to stay put. (laughs) Trying to fix your work. You need to stay put. Have faith in God. He's working in this miracle. He's working in this moment. Jesus said that this is happening, that the Father might be glorified. Sometimes you just need to stay put so that the Father can be glorified. If you get your big, ugly self in the way, you get the credit, you get the glory, you mess it up. But when you just stay put, God gets the glory and you get the joy. Enter his rest. We see the divine timing of the Lord. And in verse 24, Martha said, he's, I believe at the last day he's going to be resurrected. I know. I know the prophecies. I know at the last day, the great day, he's going to be resurrected. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You don't have to wait that long. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Today, present, I am. I am the healer. I am the deliverer. Today, he's speaking over your life. You don't have to wait to the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. I am resurrection today, this moment, this moment in time, this moment in history. I am the resurrection in your life. I am the life. You don't have to wait. You can step in today. Verse 39, he's, Lazarus was dead for four days. For four days, he was really dead. What's the significance of that? Why does the Bible say four days? Because he was dead four days. Everybody tries to over-spiritualize. He was gone. He was, hey, matter of fact, Martha said, Jesus, he stinks. He was really dead. That's all about the divine timing. Even when things are really dead, when things look really hopeless. And then in verse 53, it says, from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. It was that day. They didn't like, they didn't like Jesus. There was arrest warrants. They wanted him dead, but they hadn't plotted yet. Now they were plotting. Now they were scheming. Now they were going to put him. Why? Because Jesus demonstrated his power over death. Why? Because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. This why? Because Jesus announced himself that day 
declared himself and demonstrated himself as the resurrection and the life. There was no mistake. This was not just another prophet. This was the Son of God. This was the Messiah, and they were not happy about it. It was that day, raising Lazarus from the dead, that they started plotting. It was the day, it was the day, notice, it was the day that Jesus not only raised him from the dead, but it was the day that Jesus cured him from his disease. Jesus can raise, anybody can raise you from the dead and you still have your sickness, right? Jesus, you know, hey, Jesus, he, you great job, you raised him from the dead, but he's still sick. He's going to die again. Doctors cure people of their diseases all the time, or, you know, keep people from dying. But Jesus not only raised him from the dead, but kept him from getting ill and dying again. Isn't that interesting? He went on and died. Of course, Lazarus went on and died a natural death. But the, but the natural, okay, in the natural, I think, great, you raised him from the dead, good job, but he's, gonna, he's still sick. He's still got the virus. He's still got the disease. But Jesus not only raised him, he cured him. It was that day. It was that day that they started to plot and to scheme. And the eternal plan of the ages started unfolding. And Jesus started, uh, the Father's working his plan that Jesus is going to be crucified in just a few days. All that's good, but that's not really my sermon. Now I can get to my sermon notes. In John chapter 11, and I love this. I'm going to read it from the New King James, and I'm going to read it from the Passion Translate. I'm not going to take long. And when she had said these things, Martha, when she had said these things, She went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The master has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And Jesus had not yet come into town, but was in the place where Martha met him. I want to read it from the Passion. It says, Then Jesus left and hurried off to her sister. Or excuse me, then she, Martha, left and hurried off to her sister, Mary. And called her aside from the mourners and whispered to her, The master is here and he's asking for you. So when Mary heard this, she quickly went off to find him, for Jesus was lingering outside the village at the same spot where Martha had met him. Jesus had lingered and he was waiting for Martha. He's the master. Martha said to Mary, The master has come. The master has come. Today, the master is here. The master has come into the middle of your life, into the middle of your situation. In Luke chapter 5, we see this word, the master. Peter had been toiling all night, working all night to catch fish, and they'd caught nothing. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, boys, cast your net on the other side of the note, uh, other side of the boat. But, but Jesus, we've been at this all night long. Master, the word Peter uses, master. We've been at this all night long. But at your word, there's power in the word of God. Our master has your provision in care. Our master is taking care of your provision. The, the, the Peter had been out fishing all night, but at his word, the master's word, There was so much fish that two boats couldn't even carry it all in. Both boats, the Bible says, were sinking. In Luke 8, Jesus had gone out with disciples on the boat. He'd fallen asleep. They're out in the middle of of the sea, and the the storms are brewing. And they go and they wake Jesus. Master, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And he goes out to the edge of the boat. He goes, shh. He rebuked the winds and the waves, and they died down. The master of the sea, the master of the waves. One word, and he spoke, and their peril. He was Lord. He was master over their peril. In Luke chapter 8, 
If you go on down in that passage, we find the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We know the story. She presses in to get to Jesus, and she touches him. And Jesus stops, and he says, virtue's gone out from me. And he, he says, who's touched me? And Peter's looking around at the crowd, and Peter says, Master, don't you see the thronging crowd? He's the master over your prognosis. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through, he's the master of your life. The master has come. Martha told Mary, the master has come. In Psalm 16, verse 8, it says, Because you are close to me and always available, my confidence will never be shaken, for I experience your wraparound presence every moment. He draws near. He drew near to blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was sitting out on the roadside, and Jesus drew near, and he healed him. Jesus drew near to the ten lepers and healed them. Jesus is drawing near to you today. He's come to the city, and he's calling. The master is calling. That's what Martha said. The master has come, and he's calling for you. He's calling out to you like a voice in the wilderness. He's calling out to you as your way maker. Like a voice in the darkness, he's calling out as a light on your path. Like a voice on the Isle of Patmos called abandonment and loneliness, he calls out as the one who has hair like wool and eyes like fire, who speaks out of his mouth and goes a two-edged sword, and whose countenance is like the sun shining in all all of its brilliance. He's like a voice at the tomb who's calling out life. He's like a voice in your battle who's calling out like a victorious trumpet. He's like a voice in the fields of this life who's calling out as your guiding shepherd saying walk this way, walk in the truth, walk in safety. He's like a voice in the midst of your journey like wisdom's voice in the word of God. And he'll be like a voice on that great day who calls out at the coming of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords as the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. He's calling out to you. He's calling out. Will you follow after him? He's calling out, Mary, the master has come. The master has come. And he's calling for you. This isn't the end of the story, though, with Mary. You see, this is a great story when it comes to Lazarus. I'm sure you've heard the story before about Lazarus being raised from the dead, but that's not the end of the story. You see, in John chapter 12, the very next chapter, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, and he hangs out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus at their house before the Passover week. And the Bible says in John chapter 12 and verse 3, that Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. What's significant about that moment is that it wasn't just about Lazarus being raised from the dead. Mary, the master's calling for you. There was a relationship, there was an intimacy that Jesus was calling Martha or calling Mary to. And it was there in that moment when she saw her dead brother get out of the tomb that Mary recognized who he really was. That he is the resurrection and the life. That he is the Messiah. He is the Christ, the anointed one. He is the one come from heaven. He is the Savior of the world. This Jesus. And what's so interesting to me about this is that Mary had this very expensive bottle of oil, this spikenard, that she could have poured on her brother at his burial. It was customary to anoint the bodies. It was customary for, for them to anoint the bodies for burial. And Mary could have taken this very expensive oil and poured it out on Lazarus. But she didn't. She saved it. Do you hear me this morning? 
There was a moment in time where she took the oil and she was going to pour it at Jesus' feet. It was ordained of God that that oil, that jar, that spikenard, that very expensive oil perfume worth of year's wages, she began to pour out on Jesus' feet. And Jesus said, when Judas spoke of what she was doing and judged her, Jesus said, you have the poor with you always, but she's preparing my body for burial. What she exchanged in preparation and worship for Christ, she received in resurrection life. What a picture of our, of our worship. When we come to Christ, when he changes our lives, he calls us out of the tomb of death. What do we do? What's our response? We begin to pour out our oil. We begin to pour out our worship. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. She poured out her worship. That's the story of Lazarus. Not just that he was raised again, but Christ is the resurrection and the life. And we pour out our worship. Worship team, why don't you come? Why don't you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. If you're able, why don't you get on your feet with me this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the resurrection and the life. You are the resurrection and the life. We believe in you. Jesus, may we, like Mary, when you said you were calling for Mary, may we hear your voice this morning calling out to us, calling us to come away, to run away, to get out of the chaos of the morning, to get out of the chaos of the death and gloom, and to meet you in that place of worship to meet you in that place of intimacy where we begin to pour out. We begin to pour out our oil. Thank you, Jesus.